because I've known way too many people in Alberta have lost their shirts. Yeah. Because they were buying properties like crazy 2012, 13. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here with Kevin Engel today. Kevin is an investor, an author, uh, hailing from Lacombe, Alberta. First time we have a, a, an Albertan or someone who invests in Alberta on the show. So uh, welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. So by way of getting started, can you tell me a little bit about your journey through life that has led you to be sitting with me here today talking about real estate? Okay. You said you have a half hour, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the short version. <laughs> I'll give you the short version for sure. Like uh, my traditional professions optometry, but 14 years ago, they thought I had cancer and laying on the table, getting a bone scan to see if it was, they thought it was bone cancer actually, which is bad news. Uh, but I realized if I didn't work for six months or a year or a few years of I was sick, we were in trouble financially. You know what I mean? So I was searching for passive income and a friend of, it was just during that time. I didn't have enough life insurance, things like that. Or I had enough life insurance. If I died, my wife was good, Terry. Okay. Does it make sense? But, uh, it was, if I was sick, there was yeah. disability insurance yeah. was quite expensive. And I realized we were going to be living under the poverty line if I couldn't work full time. Right. Or I was going to leave all of our income earning to my wife. And I know she's an amazing woman. She would have stepped up to the plate, I'm sure, but I didn't want to leave it on her. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I was searching for passive income. I didn't know where I didn't know anything about investing or other than putting money into mutual funds, which I found wasn't working well enough. <laughs> I wasn't going to retire me at 38, if that makes sense. But uh, so that's my story. That's why I started looking for passive income. Okay. And then, so tell me, how did you start investing? Because like, I think a lot of people have this kind of an aha moment when they realize um, I went to school, I got a job, I started working, and now this is not going to provide me the lifestyle I want, or else it's not going to provide me the retirement I want or something. But then how do you go from that realization to buying properties? What was your first deal like? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Well, a friend of mine gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. right? So I read that and actually it was an answer to prayer for me. Just I was searching. I didn't really know what to do. They wouldn't give me more disability insurance right after that cancer scare. So it was like, okay, what do I do now? And wasn't sure where to go. But I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad talking about buying assets that cash flow, right? That create cash flow. And I think that was my aha moment. And then again, just talking to people that had a little bit of real estate and another friend gave me a book. I think it's on my bookshelf back here. Uh, 51 Stories of Canadian Real Estate Investors. And that was by Don R. Campbell. And I, when I found out, I read the book and I was like, okay, I want to write my own chapter, if that makes sense. Because amazing hearing these average people and what they've done to change their lives. And I heard Don Campbell was speaking in Edmonton. It was about a month later. So, of course, I went up met Don Campbell, found a community of investors, if it makes sense. I surrounded myself with like-minded people and really started taking action. I was fortunate enough, I was actually featured in Canadian Real Estate Magazine 18 months after my first real estate meeting in Edmonton. So I was just kind of, I took action, right? Because I was, I had the desire, if it makes sense, or I had the why figured out. I just didn't have the how mm -hmm. figured out. That's where that group mm -hmm. had really helped me. 
So what did the action look like? You go from, you know, meeting some people, reading a book, and then how does the first deal happen? Well, it was really just learning about real estate, learning the system, because I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I'm, a, I'm an optometry geek, if that makes sense. So, but again, just learning what is a good investment, what is a good area to invest in, if that makes sense. So again, I just found great mentors that were taking action here in my local marketplace. And my first deal was actually walking my dog out by our cottage, and there was a house, distress sale, must sell now. And I found out I was able to help this lady because she was going to lose her house immediately if she didn't sell right away. And uh, I was able to buy that house, save her from going into, into foreclosure. And that was my first deal. So that was a single family house. And then what happened with her? She remained a tenant or you owned the house and then uh, like sold it to someone else? What happened? Well, I, I kept that's I've, I'm not a very good seller, Terry. I've only been buying properties. I actually have only, okay. I was actually, that was the only property I sold. It was six years later. I sold it to my tenant. Okay. So I bought okay. it, did some minor renovations, rented it out. I was the manager for six years. I think it's interesting. Your book is about uh, property management, right? So yeah. um, I learned a lot about property management and realized I didn't want to be a property manager, if that's okay to say that. <laughs> Um, yeah, sure. Lots learned. of people get there. <laughs> I learned a ton, but it was great because this tenant I sold this house to had, he was 50, in his early 50s, he'd never owned a house before. So I was able to get into his first house and put some roots down. Uh, that's mm -hmm. in central Alberta. It was So it was kind of cool to come alongside someone and help somebody like that, if that makes sense. So. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. tell me about your local market. Like I'm, you know, uh, most of our audience is in Montreal and, you know, Montreal has been a, an interesting market for a while. We're kind of going down the road of Toronto and Vancouver a little ways behind that. It's becoming very difficult to bribe properties here that make sense from yeah. a numbers point of view. Um, and so like, I know a lot of, uh, you know, people in our backyard are looking at secondary markets, looking at different places to invest in. Quebec is also super uh, rent controlled, tenant friendly. And so we hear a lot of things about Alberta, but like, just tell me, like, what does your practice look like? Is it mostly single family homes? Like, what's your business model out there? Well, I guess for myself initially, it was, in fact, well, I had a specific goal and then talking to one of my real estate, I never really paid for coaching, if that makes sense, Terry, for real estate mm -hmm. coaching. I just had other people that were willing to come alongside and mentor me. One was a mortgage broker, but he was also a very sophisticated investor. And uh, he was able to say, hey, what's your goal? And I said, I want $10,000 a month in passive income. Because I figured with $10,000 a month in passive income, if I did get sick next three to five years, we weren't rich, right, if that makes sense. But at least to gain, there would be a lot less financial stress. You know, we wouldn't be selling the house. We wouldn't be selling the car. You know, downsizing it would be enough to keep our we comfortable. If that makes sense. Yeah. So we said, "Hey, that's easy." <laughs> so when my uh, it was actually Peter Kinch, he was a real estate broker at that time, mm -hmm. or rather a mortgage broker at that time, and he said he said, "Hey, reverse engineer it." He said, "You need four fourplexes paid off in Alberta." Uh, I said, well, what do you mean? He said, they average, they cash flow on average about $2,500 a month once they're paid off. So he said, buy six, seven, eight, you know, in five years, sell off three or four, pay off the others, you get $10,000 a month in passive income. So I guess so that's focused, what you did? 
Yeah, it wasn't so much single family houses. It was more fourplexes I was focused on because it was more, it was capital appreciation is amazing on, on single family, but the cash flow is tighter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Capital, they go up the faster than a fourplex. But that said, I was looking for passive income. So, yeah, I think I bought six, six, six fourplexes in about a year. So I kind of went to act, went to the action and uh, had some some uh, reserve capital because I just sold a commercial property. So I had a small, not a lot. I had about 300000 but I just started buying, right? And so that's how I got started. And then they were doing a feature about Red Deer. They wanted to know about our local market. So, in fact, Don R. Campbell, my mentor, one of my mentors said, hey, you want to talk about Red Deer? Talk to Kevin because he's taking action in Red Deer. So that was an interview back in 2011. And so what does that look like? Like, let's say, you know, back then and today. So those fourplexes that you were buying, like, can you just put some numbers on that? Like, what was the typical price tag on a property like that back when you started? What is it today? What does the income look like? Just tell me a little bit about it. Oh, for sure. Well, I look at it again, for me, my system with real estate, I'll tell you about some numbers is I look at the yearly rent. And if the yearly rent is within eight to 10% of the purchase price, so my yearly rent in that mm-hmm. fourplex. So I found one fourplex, for example, it was about $900 a corner for rent. So not huge rents, all two bedroom a fourplex with four two bedroom suites, but the purchase price was 450. Okay, so it was well within that eight to 10%. So again, I purchased some fourplexes. Actually, I purchased one in 2017 for 350,000. And they're one bedrooms, but at that time, it was very high demand for that. And they were getting 900 a corner for a $350,000 fourplex. So buying them, I did some renovations on that one. Actually, it appraised about four months. Actually, we, we refinanced it after six because we've done some renovations for 460 and that was six months after we purchased it. There's some deals out there, right? If that makes sense, but yeah. yeah. Well, so how did you handle the financing? Because I think a lot of, of what happens with those uh, smaller properties is that at a certain point, people get tapped out of their personal borrowing capacity um, and their, their investment capital. So how did you handle that? Yeah. Uh, That's a good question. (laughs) That's thanks to my awesome network because I would go to a, a real estate event and I go, I'd, hey, I was either, again, I agree. I did get tapped out on capital, so I needed to learn how to yeah. raise joint venture capital. Okay. But also, it was actually borrowing power. Yeah. So I went to a RAIN meeting. I said, I'm struggling getting, well, my local bank, I had a really good relationship with TD Bank. But TD Bank said, hey, we might give you a mortgage on your next property. They didn't guarantee it. Does it make yeah. sense? It was like, yeah. I don't want to get an amazing deal and I might be able to close if that makes sense. But yeah, I was always in, I was introduced to a local credit union here because again, the local credit union in, in central Alberta, they looked at me and at that time I had 40 rental properties. I was kind of tapped out in borrowing power, but they say, Hey, you're a professional at this. I see how you've created. And they looked at my portfolio and it was cash flowing fourplexes, some single family, so again, they, they say, yeah, we, we want to invest in you. And again, I was able to buy, man, we're up to 132 doors now, just continuing to grow. So they then started looking at you as a business as opposed to looking at you as just one person who's borrowing against your own income. 
true. Although because I have good borrowing power, because I'm a doctor, so I've got a strong income. Okay. Makes sense. But that said, yeah, usually after, really after five properties, you're usually tapped out. Yeah. The yeah. bank will you can't go to that bank anymore, or other banks said you got too many rentals already. So I had to look be a little more creative. Mm-hmm. But yeah, unlimited borrowing power. Well, unlimited. It had to be a certain the debt coverage ratios yeah. had to be strong, which is what I had. But again, if I kept my debt coverage ratios where I needed it to be. And I was able to continue to buy real estate. Okay. So, but also take, looking at creative ways to buy them too, Terry, right? Meaning we're buying them by way of agreement for sale, also buying properties by way of uh, vendor take-back mortgages, mm-hmm. which allowed me to do more burrs, like buying it, renovating it, refinancing it. And then I don't, I'm not a seller. I just keep buying them. But uh, <laughs> just add them to the portfolio i'd bring on i'd bring on a joint venture partner because again we could buy it at 450 you know 350 refinance six months later at five or 460 you know we made one hundred and ten thousand dollars in six months i was able to attract joint venture capital if that makes sense Mm-hmm. So, and what just tell me what does Red Deer look like today? Because you're you know you're telling me some examples that are I guess pre COVID and you know a lot of things have moved around. We now have you know new interest rates to deal with. We have certain markets that are taking a bit of a hit. What does your local market look like right now? Oh, I would say real estate prices have softened, which gets me a little excited, Terry. <laughs> just because there are some investors that are looking at headlines, if that makes sense. I'm looking more three, five years down the road for, instead of looking at the headlines right now. And I still see there's still ability to buy for cash flow. Okay. You can, you have to be more creative, meaning you have to, if you can assume a mortgage on a property that's like, I've got one I'm looking at assuming it's 2.35 right now and it's going to be renewing in two years, which again, that's when the American election is, the next presidential election in the States is. And I don't know, you're probably aware of it too, Terry. Typically, real estate or investment or rather interest rates are typically a little lower during during presidential elections. So again, that's where I like to have some of those renewing at that time. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect. Like it's a great deal. Um, actually, it's a no money down deal. I'm looking at Red Deer. It's a, it's a half duplex, but I'm able to help this gentleman. He needs to move forward. He's actually moved Toronto to Toronto and he's renting it out. But he said he's freaking out because he said, if my furnace goes, he doesn't have the money to replace the furnace. Does it make sense? Like he, yes. if something happens to the property, he's just, he's worried about it. If it makes sense. Yeah. And he needs yeah. it off. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough equity to sell it through a realtor and actually get any equity out. So yeah. kind of like, for him, it just doesn't make sense to, he's nervous about keeping it and uh, he needs to sell, but he can't sell at a loss. Yeah. Kind of one of those yeah. ideal agreements for sale deals. So okay, yeah, there's just multiple ways of acquiring properties. And what uh, I mean, what's the like the the sort of the 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 industry out there? Like you know, I'm really not familiar with Alberta at all. But like when one's looking at uh, investing in secondary markets, you want to understand what are the fundamentals of that particular thing. What's the economy based on? What's your migration look like? So what does that look like? I would say in Alberta, I think. People are looking here now, right, as far as investments go, because we still have incomes above the national average. That makes sense. So I like that economically, Alberta, typically stronger or people have more buying power. That makes sense. Affording more rent. 
but again, I would say with Terry, with our Alberta economy, it is somewhat linked to the oil economy. Yeah. So we are a little more cyclical, if that makes sense. There's been ups and downs. Like in 2013, Terry, I felt like a rock star. I'm, I'm kidding, but I'm not really because I had 40 yeah. properties. I had like less than 1% vacancy. If it did go vacant, you just kind of slap some paint on the floor or walls and and vacuumed the floor and it was rented again. If it makes sense, it was so yeah. high rent demand. But then in 2017, there was that drop in the economy as oil went down. And I didn't feel like an idiot. <laughs> That's what Don Campbell used to say. Don R. Campbell would say that sometimes you're going to feel like a genius in real estate. Sometimes you're going to feel like an idiot. <laughs> He's just being honest with people, right? And it was a challenging time, right? Because rents were down, but I did buy very strategically because I wanted to make sure in a down market. Yeah. I took a haircut. Makes sense. I wasn't making the rents I was, but I was still cash flowing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And because uh, I've known way too many people in Alberta have lost their shirts. Yeah. Because they were buying properties like crazy 2012, 13. When I was like, I remember what rents were back in 2010. And if rents go that way again, it doesn't cash flow when I can't. So I wasn't buying properties where I saw many people around me buying tons of real estate because it was booming, right? Yeah. But I still bought a few properties at the time, but it was very selective. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've just kind of, it's, you got to survive a few ups and downs. I would say Alberta is a little more cyclical. Yeah. Yeah. But buying strategically, that makes sense. So, you, you know, you can ride through a downturn. Hey, Axel, where are you going to be on November 16th? Actually, I'm going to be at my IRHA meeting. Why? What the heck is an IRHA meeting, Axel? Well, it's this group I've joined called, it's the Interest Rate Hike Anonymous. It's for real estate investors who feel like they've had massive withdrawal because of what's happening on the financial markets. You don't need a support group, Axel. You need to come to our next monthly networking event on November 16th. But I don't want to disappoint the boys at the support group. Axel, the boys at the support group should be the least of your worries. You need to come join me and JP. JP's going to be telling us about how he is dealing with the current situation and pivoting his business. Axel, you're the one who organized this event anyway. Why don't you tell people where they should come and check us out? So join us on November 16th at the Maria Courtyard in uh, Ville Saint-Laurent. We're going to have a great time. There'll be plenty of real estate investors. Look in the show notes for more details about the event. See you there. Right, Terry? Yeah. So I'm just waiting for the next wave, Terry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but so like last sort of Alberta related question before we get into your book. So for somebody who, let's say, is in, uh, you know, Montreal, which is a specific kind of economy and wants to, you know, diversify, what is the best way for them to, um, you know, familiarize themselves with what's going on in Red Deer? How could somebody from here get involved in that market if they wanted to? Well, I would suggest even joining some networking groups of, with real estate. Like if they want to invest in Alberta real estate, network some with some Alberta real estate investors. Makes sense. I became, if you're going to ask me about Edmonton real estate, although I have a 44 unit apartment up there, but again, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a geographic expert up there, Terry. I don't know the specific areas as well as I could, but if you want to ask me about Red Deer, like I... There's certain streets and some subdivisions I would yeah. buy in this street, but I wouldn't buy in the one beside the street, couple streets over because the tenant base is totally different. Yeah. If that makes sense. So it's, I do know Red Deer 
quite well, but I invest in Lacombe, Red Deer, and Penhold. These are all cities in central Alberta, which is considered a secondary market. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we do have some economic diversity here because we do have petrochemical as well as oil and gas, but also agriculture is one of our mainstays in the economy too. So there's multiple different employers, if that makes sense. Yeah. So Red Deer, Lacombe, like what I love about my little small city was actually rated top 10, one of the top 10 cities to invest in real estate. It's like, wow. (laughs) What are you talking about? But it's like, there's huge petrochemical employers here. We've got major financial corporations that have their headquarters here and just lots of economic diversity and a university that I can actually see if I look out the window here. So there's a lot of, again, brings the university brings in families yeah. that come to their kids go to university here or into private school here and they move here. So there's a lot of new people moving in and the city's growing, but yeah. So I'm looking for, you know, economic growth, you know, population growth and above average incomes and below national average unemployment. And we have that in central Alberta again. <laughs> good, uh, good, good yeah. summary of central Alberta. So tell me now a little bit about your book. What motivated you to write it and what's it about? Well, that's a good story because, again, I mentioned I read that 51 success stories in Canadian real estate investors, and that blew me away. It was a testimony of all these different investors, what they did or what they'd achieved. And it's funny, in my back of my brain, I always said, I want to write my chapter. Does it make sense? And and Don Campbell hasn't done another book yet. Okay, so maybe if he does, maybe he'd have me in there. I don't know. But uh, that said, but it was just one that for me, that was such a key book. So. I met Brian Tracy. He's actually the author of the book. I'm one of the co-authors. Yeah. Brian, I've actually read a lot of Brian Tracy books because it was, you know, in real estate, you're not really a sales guy, but can we agree, Terry, you kind of are? Yeah. Does it make sense? Like, I mean, if I mean, you're I raising... Life, I think in life, you're always doing sales, right? Like, there's no... My, my six-year-old is in sales. You know what I mean? Like, anytime <laughs> you want to get anyone to be on board with anything you do, it's a sales job, right? right? So... <laughs> I just found I, to be more effective in real estate, I need to be able to sell myself or people yep. are investing in me. And it just, for me, it was just a lot of his books were very key. So when he actually, he had heard my story about that cancer scare and he was actually writing a book in 2020 about overcoming adversity. And he said, I've heard your story, Kevin. I'd love you to share your story in my book. I said, well, you're the author guy. I'm not really an author. He said, can you share your testimony, your story? I said, of course I can do that, right? So that's what he asked me to do in that book. And it was called Bounce Back to Success. And uh, just an honor to work with this guy. I was able to meet him through real estate. But again, just to ask, you know, be asked to co-author a book with him was kind of cool. It was... Mm -hmm. So a little outside my comfort zone, to be honest, because I'm not a writer, right? If that makes sense. But uh, it was one that it was always kind of a, I'd always kind of wanted to do that. And uh, yeah, so that's what we did. We launched it in December, 2020. We hit the bestsellers list on, uh, on Amazon there. And it was just, it was a great, it was an interesting journey during COVID when I had a little more free time to explore being able to write a book because my clinic was closed, Terry, for two months. So actually it was th- almost three months we were closed, right? So it's my passive income streams that were able to sustain us and allow us to 
lifestyle we did when we actually weren't working actively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a collection of stories, or is there like a kind of a thrust behind it? Like what what is the idea that you guys are trying to communicate? Well, it's really we all go through times of challenge, right? Well, I would, at least in my life, I've had yeah. a few curveballs yeah. thrown at me and. Uh, usually during those defining moments is when you can make a change. And for me, he was asking, okay, what, how did you, you know, what allowed you the success you've had? Some people use that as an excuse. Like, I mean, I can't, oh, man, I can't work cause I'm sick or, or whatever. Whereas other people, it's kind of fuel for the fire, if that makes sense. So he's just encouraging other people at during time of adversity, you know, use that as fuel, right. To fuel the fire. So. For me, that burning desire to be successful outside of optometry has been because of that cancer scare, right? Mm-hmm. And that feeling, I've got three kids, I've got a wife I love you know, dearly, but again, if I can't work, I want to make sure they're taken care of, right? So the fear of not being able to feed them or, you know, or take care <laughs> of them, and it's not a male thing or a, I don't know, macho thing, it was just... I don't know, just as a husband, as a father, like, I just want to make sure they're taken care of. And I don't worry about that anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's, it still drives me though. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, bigger goals, right? Still growing. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, uh, you know, we're, we're coming uh, sort of to wrap up, maybe that can be our last question for, for today. So what, uh, you know, as where you are today, what keeps you motivated? I mean, you said you've kind of taken some of that pressure off. You've quit your, I say you quit your day job, but like, you now seem to be doing real estate, um, more actively than, than your other profession. So what keeps you motivated? Why do you want to keep growing? Well, I'm surrounded by like-minded people, but again, some of the people I network with or work with, they're making, you know, they're, they're making a hundred, 200,000 a month. Right. And for most people, that's their yearly income in one month. Does it make sense? And what I have found when passive income goes to 10,000 a month, to be honest, Terry, I didn't feel there was a much change in my lifestyle. Okay. Does it make sense? Or, or Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, to 20, 30, as it grows, there's, Man, um, I don't know. For me, it's been allowed me to work less. Like I, I still love my profession. I still practice optometry part time, but some weeks is a day, sometimes two or three days during the week. So I just kind of uh, working part time. So I still love it, but it's again, it's the ability to travel more. And actually, my father actually has cancer right now, and the cool thing is, I feel like if he needed me, I could drop everything and go for six months. That yeah. makes sense. Like yeah. even a number of years back, where I couldn't do that, right? I was yeah. still, you know, you have a large investment in a practice. I didn't have that flexibility to take six months off or go. Or does it make sense? So again, I just yeah. feel more free now, and 
after selling it, we we were traveling from Jasper to Banff, driving down this beautiful highway past one of the past one of the big glaciers there. And we were the top was down on the car. It was amazing. But it was just my wife said, Kevin, I feel free. Yeah. And I think I almost cried just because it was it was an emotional moment because that's what we've been working so hard together to achieve. And I feel that way, but I'm still driven. Does it make sense? Like I'm yeah, great yeah. for what we have, but I love spending guys with it that motivate me because they're, yeah. I don't know if it's the cars. It's not the cars or the lifestyle, but it's just, they don't worry about money at all. Does it make sense? Like it's just not a, they don't look at the price tag if they're looking to acquire something. If they want to go and experience, they just, they just go, right? So I just, that, that inspires me, I guess, Terry, if that makes sense. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I think we're we're kind of coming up on on the uh, thirty minute mark. Do you want to tell our audience how they can reach out to you? What's the best way for people to connect with you if they want to? They can text me. They can, you know, my website is familyrealestate.ca. You know, my contact information is there. But really, again, if you want to talk about Alberta, like I'm excited about it. But it's interesting, Terry. I'm actually now, I, I can see why people from BC, Quebec, right, are looking to different provinces. Because it's interesting, Terry. I do love, and I'm still continuing to invest in Alberta. But I'm actually, now I see some wisdom in having properties in multiple, yeah. multiple provinces. Yeah. Because if Alberta's down, other parts of my real estate are up. Does it make sense? Or other yeah. parts of my business yeah. are up. So my focus actually in the last five years has been to continue to diversify my income, um, animate my portfolio, make it more profitable, which has been a really cool experience over the last few years, but also again, bringing in other streams of revenue like private lending, just because that's making money in real estate with no tenants and no toilets. It's fantastic. (laughs) That's living the dream. (laughs) Pay the rent every month. Well, most of them pay the rent every month, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, that's purely passive income, which is what I I love too. Right. So sometimes I'm the passive investor in a real estate deal. Often I'm the active investor, but if they want to reach out and they want to talk, even just, I don't know, reach out, connect and talk about Alberta. I'm happy to. Connect them with people in Edmonton if they want, or Calgary if they want to invest in different areas. But as I said, I just, I'm very fortunate because I had people who are willing to come alongside me and help me grow my Alberta portfolio, if that makes sense. By people, not because I paid them, but because they had kind of money out of the way and they're willing to mentor me or I had to do the work, right? They wouldn't do it for me. But man, when you got somebody running alongside you and mentoring or encouraging you, that's, that's powerful. And if I can help others in that way, hey, that's that that feels my fire, if that makes sense. And that's part yeah. of the reason I wrote that book is hopefully that fuels somebody else's fire and gets them fired up and and creating their own writing their own chapter, I guess, Terry. <laughs> yeah, paying it, uh, paying it forward. <laughs> well, yeah, that's some of the guys I really expect, like even Don Campbell, he's a very wealthy guy, but yet his passion was mentorship you know, helping other investors achieve their dreams. And uh, yeah, he didn't make money if I made money in real estate, if that makes sense. Like my income wasn't tied to his, but yet he was still willing to come alongside and guide and mentor and teach. And oh, so that's part of my book too, is really about 
the amazing mentors that came into my life to help me, right? Because I'm not that smart, Terry. I'm just a doctor, right? <laughs> and well, I mean, I will mention doctors don't always have the best reputation for investing. So <laughs> that's a comment in itself. Exactly. That's why I said it, because, again, even my mentors have said, Kevin, you're smart, but that's the problem <laughs> in yeah, this area. You're, you're a student now. Does it make sense? You're not yeah. the smartest guy in the room here, at least in this realm. And it's like, yeah, I've been successful because I was coachable. Yeah, yeah, that's another another whole episode in itself. But sure. uh, Kevin, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and for sharing your journey a little bit with our listeners. Hopefully, they've got some inspiration from your story. And uh, if they want to reach out for anything, Alberta, uh, I found Kevin on LinkedIn. So he's definitely approachable there. And he also gave you the information to the website, which is going to be in our show notes. So Kevin, thank you again for taking this time with me today. Okay, good to meet you, Terry. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.